0: On this weekly podcast, we have often discussed the importance of an estate plan, and in some of those conversations, uh, we talked a little bit about the process of designating beneficiaries uh, as sort of a uh, secondary topic. Uh, today, we're going to go a little bit further. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and yeah, estate planning is is our focus today. We'll, we'll use that as a launching off point, but uh, we're going to take the process one step further and, and uh, focus on when why, and how you may want to uh, update uh, the beneficiaries that you, that you initially chose. We'll be guided through the conversation by Attorney Ryan Gardner. Uh, Ryan's an associate at Lavelle Law. He's been with us before, very well, well-versed in this topic. So I, I look forward to our conversation. So, Ryan, uh, nice to talk to you again. Good,
1: to, Good to talk with you, Jim.
0: You know, I, I, so I threw out the word beneficiary there a few times during the introduction, and, and let's bring that to the forefront right away. And, and, you know, give me a good legal definition relative to what we're going to talk about today in estate planning in general. What what specifically is a beneficiary?
1: Sure. So, you know, from a kind of a global standpoint, a beneficiary is somebody who's entitled to receive the proceeds from either an estate, a trust, a retirement account, life insurance policy, or some other type of transfer on death account. Okay, So the way to think about it is some sort of contractual appointment. In the document that you set up when you are uh, creating a retirement account or uh, buying a life insurance policy, it will ask you, who do you want the proceeds of this policy or the account to pass to upon the owner's death? So, you know, I've talked about a few of these on, on, on past uh, past podcasts and, and articles, but you know, some examples. Of this would be retirement accounts, four hundred one k's, four uh, hundred three b's for our teachers out there, IRAs, whether they're traditional or SEP or Roth IRAs, life insurance policies, even some bank accounts, brokerage accounts, money market accounts, especially at the big banks they will allow you to name uh, a beneficiary on those accounts as well. And you are naming specifically either a person, a trust, or a corporate entity, or maybe even a charity to who these assets will pass to upon your death.
0: And just just to clarify, we talk about the estate planning process that might include a a will and the powers of attorney and all those things. These are actual documents that, that sort of Feed into that so that beneficiaries are, are related to each individual document, such as the life insurance policy or, or the 401k. It actually happens at that level.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And essentially, you can you can look at a beneficiary and say, okay, I want to name one person, for example, my wife or my my daughter, um, or you can say, you know what, instead of naming an individual person, I want to maintain an additional level of control and. For example, on a life insurance policy, have your revocable or your living trust as your beneficiary designation, so that ultimately those life insurance death benefits pass not to an individual, but to a trust that has language that governs what would happen to those life insurance death benefits. To have that extra uh, layer of control and you know decision as to what and how those distributions of those uh, proceeds will occur.
0: And as you talk about the reasons to spell this out, let's just take one quick moment here and, and kind of duck back to something we always talk about on, in these conversations, which is what happens if, if you don't do this? If you don't have someone designated as a beneficiary, what, what are the things that can go wrong upon your desk?
1: Well, you know, first and foremost, you've lost that, that measure of, of control and, and kind of taking the reins as, as to what's going to happen to the things that you've worked hard to accumulate. So, But in terms of what may happen if you do not have beneficiaries designated or named in these, in these documents, or even, let's say, uh, the person you have named, you only named one, it was your father, and you're not married, you're no kids, so you name your father as, as the primary beneficiary of your retirement account, Your father dies before you do and you never update that. Now, the primary beneficiary who you've named is no longer with us. That's a problem. What would happen is, well, it can be governed either under federal law, state law, or the plan document that governs the account or the policy. So for qualified plans, such as profit sharings, 401Ks, some pension plans, a lot of times federal regulations will automatically designate who will receive those assets. State law typically determines the treatment of IRAs, whereas other life insurance policies or if the designation, the default designations lapse or are unable to have effect, then we potentially have these assets going through probate, which is a process I've talked about at length before with you, Jim, which is something we try to avoid at all costs. That's where the court determines what happens to your property and some judge you've never met, is going to, de- to decide what happens to those assets, either based on, uh, based on your will or based on the statutes. Again, leaving something to chance that we have the ability to control during our lives.
0: And, and you mentioned what I think is probably the most common case, which is someone naming a spouse as a beneficiary. Um, probably an extreme case here, but um, are there instances perhaps in which some catastrophic event causes both people to pass away together at the same time, or in such close proximity that they were not able to you know make an update to the beneficiary. what what would happen in that circumstance? Well,
1: you know the the issue of simultaneous death, uh, simultaneous death is typically addressed again by state law. So here in Illinois, they will try to determine which spouse died first that can be difficult and it takes a lot of fact-finding and expert witness testimony and things. You could have a lot of issues here because this determination is critical, especially if there are children from a previous marriage. Will all the children be included or will some children be excluded? Proper documentation is essential when we are trying to ensure that our assets that we work worked so hard to accumulate pass the way we want them to. So oftentimes it's very uh, beneficial to name what's called a contingent beneficiary, or also known as a secondary beneficiary. That is where we name our wife or our husband as the primary beneficiary, so if something happens to us, it goes just directly to them. We want to consider naming a contingent or a secondary beneficiary. Oftentimes, that's the children. Well, we have a little bit of a problem there. What if our children are seven and five years old? We are, you know, a little hesitant to name children who are underage as beneficiaries because, although in the event that both parents die, the children will not have unfettered access to that life insurance death benefit of $2 million, for example, but as soon as those children turn 18, they can turn right to the custodian of that account that's been holding this money for their benefit and ask for an outright distribution of their portion. At age 18, There are very few children who have the financial wherewithal to uh, appreciate, invest, and understand what to do with that sort of money. So instead, an alternative is to name a trust as the contingent beneficiary that that will be the ultimate receptacle for the asset and determine and govern how those assets will be managed, administered, invested, and eventually distributed to the beneficiaries of that
0: trust. Let's let's, uh, talk here while we've got some time about about people who have done all the right things. They've set up a great estate plan. They have beneficiaries wisely designated and all their instruments throughout that. Once that's done, are there certain intervals at which that should all be reviewed or are there certain life milestone events that call for a review?
1: Well, that's a great question, Jim. Uh, Typically, we recommend to our clients every three to five years is a good time to just review your overall estate plan, ensure that all the beneficiaries are are still living, everything's good to go, Um, make sure our trustees and our various other fiduciaries under the uh, different estate planning documents are all still living, capable, and willing to act for our benefit in the event that something happens to us, but we always say major life events are an impetus to come and make sure that your estate plan and your beneficiary designations are all in a line. That could be death of somebody, a birth of a new child or a grandchild, uh, divorce, marriage, a remarriage, all of these type of major life events. There's been case law that we see that come out and it's very concerning and, and I hope people really listen to this, this issue if you were to get divorced and suddenly pass away uh, after the divorce has been finalized and you have not updated your beneficiary designations, there's going to be a serious fight as to what will happen to those accounts that named your ex-spouse as beneficiary. This has gone as high as the U.S. Supreme Court, Jim. This is something that it's going to continue to pose problems the clients and people who are not not my clients uh, because we don't really know. There is some law out there. They're trying to pass statutes. They're trying to kind of wrap their arms around this on the legislative side. But as it is right now, there are so many factors that could go into what would happen in that situation of uh, an ex-spouse passing away without updating their beneficiary designations to reflect that their ex-spouse should be off. Of those uh, types of accounts
0: Hmm, interesting now for the people who do follow through on a regular basis or go through these particular events and they want to make a change how how complicated does that get is it is it hard to make changes in terms of beneficiaries
1: Uh, it's relatively easy the the process that we uh, coach our clients on and and make sure that they're following through on this is to, to reach out to their financial advisors life insurance agents and request and complete a change of beneficiary form. We do this for our clients all, all the time. Uh, we try to help them as, as best we can. Uh, but you know, essentially, it's that easy. It's finding, it's it's talking to your financial advisor, your life insurance agent, getting that form that says how to designate and change. And then once you have uh, turned in the necessary documents, we always recommend to request a confirmation of designation. Just a statement from your financial advisor your life insurance agent that, yes, in fact, on this date, the life insurance policy dev- beneficiary designation was updated to reflect the following, whatever that may be.
0: Now, I assume there's people who have reasonably large estates. Um and as they age, they may have larger families. So so there could be instances in which there's, you know, multiple children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, number of people they want involved. Is, is there like a limit? Can they just distribute their assets across as many people as they'd like without complicating things?
1: Well, you know, I mean, the best way to effectuate that goal, if you have multiple people you want to, uh, you know, account for and leave some money for, would be to leave that policy or that retirement account to a trust, a.k.a. naming the trust potentially as the primary beneficiary. Now, I I heed some caution here because you really need to seek professional advice when you are going to be, and guidance, when you're going to be naming the trust as a beneficiary. There are very uh, specific and complicated provisions that have to be in that trust to ensure what we call look-through treatment so that uh, the required minimum distributions are not disrupted and, you know, because without the proper language there could be an instance where the IRS takes a position that the trust is not receiving look through treatment and then that tax deferred or qualified plan that, you know, you wanted to last for your children's lifetime now has to be fully distributed to your children within five years of your death. That can cause tremendous income tax problems. Uh, for the, from the standpoint of the beneficiaries and losing out on all of that tax-deferred gain that could be compounded over the life expectancy of the oldest child. So I, for anybody that's considering naming a trust, certainly look to you know, find professional guidance, whether it's Lavelle Law or your financial advisor, to make sure that you're doing it in the right way.
0: And that, that's where the estate planning process comes into play and ties all this together, then, is that it should all be part of the overall plan.
1: Well, exactly right. And, Jim, here at Lavelle, we we really take the holistic standpoint uh, when it comes to planning for our our clients. You know, we're not going to leave any stone unturned from the standpoint of, uh, you know, what type of accounts they have, what type of insurance policies. We want to wrap our arms around it and not just set them up for success today, but future success
0: uh, going forward. Well, and I think that uh, gives us a good point to wrap up here and sort of a teaser for future podcasts of of some more things we can talk about with Ryan. So Ryan Gardner, thanks very much for being with me today. Always a pleasure to speak with him. And, of course, we invite all of you back for uh, each of our weekly podcasts. And, again, I uh, didn't get to mention it earlier, but LavelleLaw.com, you want to stop by there, uh, you can check out articles, get background on Ryan on the estate planning process, a uh, number of videos there as well, and, of course, all of our past podcasts are archived. So thanks very much, for Ryan, for being here, and thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at